the Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, joining you from the lands of the Lekwungen-speaking peoples, the Songhees and Esquimalt First Nations, recently known as Victoria, B.C., Canada. And my guest today is the fabulous Laren Alta. Seattle native Laren Alta is a mystic, medicine woman, and spiritual mentor with more than 20 years experience helping women and femmes live their soul's purpose by being their most authentic selves. As creatrix of Black Girl Mystic, she leads masterclasses, workshops, retreats, and one-on-one mentorships, guiding Black women, femmes, and genderqueer folk to embody wealth, ease, and freedom from a deep place of soul alignment. Her work as a masterful healer, magical facilitator, and transformational space holder began over 20 years ago in the Women's Research and Resource Center of Spelman College, one of the historically black colleges and universities in the U.S. It was there that she started Sister Fire, a monthly all-women's open mic spiritual ceremony healing space. From Seattle to Spelman to powerful spaces near and far, healing and liberation has always been Laren's purpose, and she's embodying it every day. It's been five years since Laren was on the Numinous podcast, and our friendship has grown and deepened a great deal since then. So it feels like her return is a bit overdue, and I apologize to Laren and to everyone for that. I'm delighted to invite you into a frank discussion about manifestation and how we create the lives we desire without spiritual bypass. I think Laren is someone that really exemplifies the principles of intention and alignment and humility that are the essence of the practice. If you know her, you really do see that she is both faith-based and action-oriented. She's got critical analysis and remains tethered to her higher power always. I just find her very inspiring, and I know you will too as you listen. And now I hope you'll enjoy this conversation between two old friends and colleagues. So Laren, it's been a while since you were on the show last, (laughs) and it's time for an update. So what identities do you lead with now? Oh, it's so interesting. Hello, Carmen. I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be here. It's so interesting because, you know, one of the things, I don't know if we'll talk about this, but but I live in Rwanda right now. I live in Central East Africa. And so one of the identities isn't necessarily that I lead with, but that's incredibly obvious to me is that I am American <laughs> and that I am the descendant of enslaved and free Africans from an American soil perspective. So I know I'm American, right? Like I've been, my family's been there for centuries, but uh, I feel distinctly aware of that when I'm not in America, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's not an identity I lead with, but it's something I'm aware of. And I, I love being a black American. It's one of my favorite things. I feel like it is like one of the best things about reincarnation. Like I'm like, I feel like I've totally lucked out. (laughs) Um, and I think those are, that's it right now. I mean, there's other identities, but those are the ones that feel the most, resonant with me, particularly because I miss Black Americans living in away from my culture. So mm. I think those are the ones that are strongest for me right now. 
Mm -hmm. I know that about you. And that's one Mm -hmm. of the reasons why I love your work so much is um, your work, particularly with Black Girl Mystic, is Mm -hmm. it it is an American style. Like you can tell it's like, oh, there's like a a joy and an expansiveness that even as a Canadian, I'm like, oh yeah, that's pretty distinctly American and Mm. a Black American experience that is like really it, it is mystical. It's magical. It's really wonderful. So, so, and, and yet I know we've known each other a long time. We've, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, we, we know each other's practices to a certain extent. And so I know that a lot of the things that you and I would do say with trance work, with visionary stuff, with manifestation may look very similar where, mm-hmm. where I identify more as witch and you would identify perhaps more as mystic. So what's your relationship to the term witch and how do you experience it differently from mystic? You know, I've never resonated with that word. It just never sung to me, but I, I like the word witchy mm-hmm. <laughs> as a, like, as a distinguisher of things, but I've never identified as a witch. It just has never felt like, um, uh, me or or my practice partially I think I mean it just has never resonated with me but I think part of it is also is like my practice of manifestation and spirituality and mysticism is very rooted in my ancestry is very rooted in my lineage it's very rooted in my people and my practice and I never you know I even those of us who have practice African diasporic religions like Rudun or Yoruba. uh, I've never think of them as witches. Mm -hmm. So it just is, it's never something that has landed with me. I just feel like we're all part of the, the, the spiritual family. And so it's all (laughs) connected, but it's not Mm -hmm. something that has never been something for, you know, that I've spoken to, but mystic for me feels like someone who walks between worlds and holds them all is distinctly aware of the divine and God source creator, whatever, whatever words you use and, and the mundane and the human and the flesh. So it's not avoiding the flesh. It's not, you know, just floating around in our heads, but it's also like living a very embodied practice through a spiritual lens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's embodied practice through a spiritual lens. That's like a, a really beautiful way to like distill it. <laughs> There's something else about the way you do mysticism though, which is, you know, I think some people can think of mystic and almost have some of the connotations of like, um, I don't know, like, like it's very mellow, almost even dissociative. Like it's ethereal and otherworldly, whereas you are so embodied and you are so like colorful and so much about joy and pleasure and, and, and expressivity. And, and so how did you come to your particular flavor of mysticism? Like what were some of your influences Mm. or, or, or do you feel like this is your ancestors coming through you? Because it's, it's pretty unique. I love that question. I, you know, honestly, I think it's my personality. I've Mm -hmm. always been very uh, joyful, very enthusiastic, very, like, I remember even in like, as a child, maybe in middle school, I would ask my best friend who is very, you know, cerebral, very intellectual. She now, she got her PhD from Yale and is a college professor now. And, you know, like Mm -hmm. she's a Gemini, you know, very much in the head. 
And I would always be like, aren't you excited? Aren't you excited about whatever? Aren't you excited? And she'd be like, Laren, everyone doesn't get excited about things. Everybody isn't that excitable. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I think so much of life is exciting. So I think part of it's just like my nature. And it's like also holding that like levity and deeply rooted at the same time. I think that is part of the medicine that I carry that I just was born with that I can bring joy and effervescence and levity. Like this, it's an important part of my expression. Like my soul's expression is expansive, is lit up, is bright, is colorful and deeply rooted. Like I, I have to have both and, and actually quite evenly I, I, because if I'm only in the rooted, then I, then I feel too weighed down. And if I'm only in the effervescent, then I feel ungrounded. So I really have to integrate them. They don't feel separate to me at all. And that's how, like, to me, God is joy. Like it is expression. It is pleasure. It is expansion. And I think part of it is because I do come from, you know, my, I grew up AME, which is the, a Christian denomination, which is African Methodist Episcopalian. And so I grew up in an all black church and all black denomination that does center music where, you know, people would catch the Holy ghost where it was now AME is a little conservative and bougie in terms of like the black, uh, denominations. It is known for being a little bit more reserved. Okay. But, but even in that, right. Like we gospel music was important. Like our preachers got enthusiastic, right? Like, so I think part of that, like spirituality has never been stoic to me. It's always had energy and enthusiasm and, I I'm because I'm an easily excitable person. Like I can get lit up very easily. Like I I think it just is helpful for me because then I can hold so much, you know, Mm -hmm. like I can hold a quite a range of emotional expression, Mm -hmm. quite a range of spiritual expression. I can hold people in their depths and I can hold people in their heights. Like I just, I think that's part of the gift um, that I was born with. And I'm super Mm -hmm. excited. I was about to say, I'm super excited. (laughs) No, you are. This is all very true about you. As you're speaking, I'm like, that is so true about you. That is so true about you. I I know this about you. And, and, and now I'm like curious about what some of your planetary placements are, because you're so Taurian Mm -hmm. with that earthiness, but what do you have that's so effervescent and, and bright? Is it, where's your, what's going on with Leo? What's happening? Leo's rising. Leo rising and Libra moon. So those are all, I love that. Like, I feel like they're very sweetly harmonious together, but half of my chart is fire, half Mm -hmm. of my chart. So, and I only have one water. So I think a lot of that energy, like, and my, my um, Venus and Mars are both Aries. So there's a lot of fire. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of passion in my chart. And then Mm. that Taurus just keeps me rooted. (laughs) That's right. And eating good that. food. <laughs> That's and right. relaxing. Beautiful spaces. That's right. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So you are a Spelman graduate. You have a degree in comparative women's studies. You, you've mm-hmm. studied with and under some of the pioneers and leaders in the field. And beyond that, you've, you've had personal relationships with some of the, the greats of Black yeah. feminism. Um, and so as a scholar 
with keen analysis of, mm-hmm. you know, capitalist, imperialist, white supremacist, patriarchy. Um, and as a black woman who loves and serves her black people, you have mm-hmm. a really unique, a uniquely strong perspective on manifestation as a spiritual practice. So what is, where's the nuance here? What is the difference between manifesting from a place of spiritual bypassing versus from a place of strong critical analysis? I think this is a delicious question because I honestly don't do either. And I don't actually think about manifesting from, from a place of spiritual bypassing or not spiritual bypassing or analysis. For me, it's like, going beyond both of those kinds of things and really tapping into the universe to God, to source, to the universal forces that I believe are conspiring in our favor, right? Like I always say, God has your back. The universe is conspiring in your favor and the ancestors are cheering you along all the way. So Mm -hmm. it's like, I, I believe that no matter what's happening, everything is already unfolding for your highest and best good. And I think in some ways that could be interpreted as spiritual bypassing. But what I know is that I'm here because my ancestors conjured me. And I'm, so I've started using the words conjure instead of manifest because manifest feels cerebral to me and conjure feels embodied, right? It feels mm-hmm. like we're using all the elements. We're using energy. We're using ancestry. We're using lineage. We're using passion. We're using vision, something I've been thinking about so much is my ancestors, you know, were enslaved, were part of chattel slavery. They had to envision me, had to envision possibilities that they would never see, that they would never experience. They had to work hard and invest and sacrifice for a future they would never see, that their children may never have seen, that their grandchildren may never have seen. And yet here I am, with 26 countries under my belt, living in a country I had never, that I don't even think I have lineage from, right? Like I, I am my, literally my ancestors' dreams come true. So I don't think that they were spiritual bypassing. I think they were spiritually resourcing. I think they were using everything they had to dream a possibility, to invest energetically in a possibility. And I am the proof of that lineage. And Mm -hmm. so I think about that because it's like, yeah, hopefully all my dreams will come true and I will conjure them all. And that I am creating possibilities for the future I will never see. Mm. So that's, it's, it's about not being attached to it, but like trusting the process nonetheless. That I feel, (laughs) I'm like gasping for breath. That is very inspiring. That is a very Mm. expansive vision. Now I can feel in my body as a, as a white bodied colonizer whose ancestors, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I come from pretty poor people, but certainly my ancestors traded solidarity for proximal whiteness, right? Mm-hmm. So my mm-hmm. Scottish Highlanders were totally colonized and yet they, they came to Canada and did the exact same thing. So mm. You know, there, there. Part of me is like, oh, is it okay if I'm invited into this lens, this vision, this expansiveness um, that Laren is describing? I know you work with Black people and serve Black people. You love Black people. You're not particularly um, casting the wider net for white folks to come into your. Though you <laughs> did work with white folks for a long time, um, mm-hmm. and I fully respect that, obviously. And 
how do you how do you frame this for those of us who benefit from white supremacy? Like, where would you place me, Laren, in this vision that you have of how to approach manifestation or, you know, in your lineage called conjuring? I honestly don't. I don't because I don't, my part of my active practice is decentering whiteness. And part of that is not thinking about white people. I don't think about whiteness. I don't think about how my work affects white people. And I still have some white clients who work with me and I, and I love them and I appreciate them, but I don't actively think about white people, how they respond to or think about or internalize my work or, or my contributions or anything, because I think there's enough people thinking about white people in the world and I don't have to be one of them. <laughs> right. Like, right. So it doesn't, the it sounds of, like, sorry, go ahead. Part, part of the work of black girl mystic is centering me and centering people who have life experiences similar to mine or akin to mine. And, and so in that I get free from having to think about white people and whiteness. Mm. I, it's like, I don't, I give myself permission to not. <laughs> so because it doesn't I trust bother white people. you if white people buy your product, for instance. No, not at all. Right. Not at all. No, Great. I just, it's, they're just not centered in my world. This is so beautiful. Thank you for receiving that question. <laughs> I totally love it. So, so I'm going to speak to the legions of white people. Buy Laren stuff. <laughs> You're allowed to buy Laren stuff. You should totally Thank do it. You. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so conjuring very close to creating, right? They, this, <clears throat> this idea of conjuring is about bringing something into the manifest world or is about creating something tangible that's, that's impacting you. So in that kind of creative process, like what are some of your specific, or would you be willing to share some of your specific practices uh, for manifestation and conjuring that maybe listeners could try for themselves? Yeah. And, and I would say it's, it's co-creating more than creating. Creating feels like effort to me. Like I'm making something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. Conjuring and co-creating feels like I'm collaborating with unseen forces that already have my back, right? Like right. that it already exists in non-physical and I'm helping to bring it birth. It, I, like I'm the vehicle for birthing it into physical. Mm -hmm. And so most of it, I, I don't want to say it's passive because I'm really just a vehicle, right? Like I'm really a conduit. I'm a channel for, for manifestation or for whatever needs to be materialized. And so a huge part of my spiritual practice is stillness, is meditation, is listening, is just getting quiet and asking, what do you want from me? How can I serve? How can I be useful? What is, what can I do? And then, which is easy, right? Like I, med I have a daily meditation practice. That's generally pretty easy. And the, the thing that I had to submit to was obedience. Like once I got the message, doing it and not trying to outthink it, not trying to make it make sense, not trying to do, because I, I believe that no matter what the circumstances are, everything is always conspiring in my favor. So once I get it, I'm fine. And I experience miracles all the time. And sometimes I'm at the end of my rope 
And I'm like, uh, hello, you t- <laughs> what is happening? What's ha-? But I still have to be in obedience because when I was trying to do things my way and just trying to be in charge, things were not going well. Like I, mm. it was, I felt very, um, like alone, you know, mm. and when I can just receive the download through meditation, through stillness, through journaling, I get divine inspiration all the time. Then I follow through on it. That's when the miracles happen. Mm. Mm. That sounds so gentle and sweet and loving and effortless. Mm-hmm. That's how it feels. Even, I mean, I mean, you well know, Carmen, there are sometimes, you know, when I do feel like I'm a little buoy just floating out in the turbulent <laughs> ocean by myself, <laughs> it's, but it's, it, you know, I used to do, um, uh, in my twenties and early thirties, a Lakota sweat lodge ceremony. That was part of my spiritual practice for uh, many years. And the fire tender and the water pour would always say, you know, when it gets hot in the lodge, put your face on the earth and pray harder. And Mm -hmm. so that is something that I take, have taken outside of the lodge that when I am feeling like a little buoy alone in turbulent waters, that's when I root deeper. That's when I pray harder. That's when I'm like, listen more keenly, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's when I have to surrender even more and, and let go of this, uh, idea that I know anything or know what I'm doing. Cause I really don't, I really mm. don't. Mm. <laughs> I don't, there was a time I think when I was spiritually arrogant, right? Like I had done all this spiritual work. I was a practitioner da, 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 I da, 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 and I thought I knew things and I didn't know shit. I didn't know. Mm. Oh, can I cuss on? Oh, podcast? totally. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know shit. I didn't know anything. Right. But I was, had like built up this spiritual ego. Like I did. And the moment I could start surrendering, things got easier. Cause I, then I could be like, well, you're God, you're in charge. Not me. You tell me, you tell me what to do and I'll just do it. That got much better after that. Right. <laughs> so will you share what feels comfortable to share about what you're calling into your life now? Oh yeah. I love this question. Thank you for asking. I am calling in. So I live in Rwanda, as I've said, and part of what's been really challenging for me is feeling isolated because I'm here. I live on the outskirts of town. It's a very socially, um, it's not like a, I just don't feel plugged in or connected here. And so I'm calling in community, not just in Rwanda, because I'm also planning on being back in the States at least part of the year. Cause I realize that's what I need. I need hugs. I'm calling mm-hmm. in love. I'm calling connection. I'm calling in, um, community that I feel like a sense of belonging. That's what I'm calling in in-person connections, healthy in-person connections, uh, healthy in all of the ways since, you know, we've come through some pandemics recently. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I miss hugs. I miss belly laughter. I miss heart to heart connections and cuddling and snuggling. Um, And I've spent most of the last few years physically alone. And Mm -hmm. so I'm calling in intimacy and connections in all areas of my life. And I'm calling in an abundance of perfect people in the black girl mystic world. Not perfect, like they're perfect human beings, but perfect (laughs) for this work. People who want to dive into their soul and abundance and conjuring and manifestation and divine and love and joy. That's what I'm calling Mm. in. 
mm, I'm like rocking side to side and cuddling myself mm. as you're talking about it and thinking this feels good. This feels nice. <laughs> I could see why you would pray on this like <laughs> all day and night. That feels good. That feels good. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to talk about creativity um, as, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if you would identify as an artist, but I experience you as someone who is very creative. You have a vision, you share it with the world, you collaborate with other visionaries who can translate your ideas in a really beautiful way. Just you, your embodiment is art, mm. you know? And so when or where do you feel the most creative? Hmm. You've always have such good questions. Thank you. <laughs> I, I feel the most creative when I'm in expression. So all the things that you just named, I love dressing up. I love a photo shoot. I, I love, love you dressing up and I love you in a photo <laughs> shoot. It's my favorite. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> Thank you for appreciating it. I love it so much. Like I'm deeply inspired by drag queens and 90s supermodels and 70s mm. glamour disco era like i when people dressed up and enjoyed like expression i'm i'm deeply inspired by that so i feel i love creativity i love collaborating and thank you for naming those things cuz that is like my favorite thing to do i'm obsessed with the black girl mystic website because of all the collaboration that happened to make it that came together to make it happen. It's, it was like, you know, a vision that I get, got was given by the divine and then it happened. And I was and like, it's oh. so beautiful. And it's so <laughs> mystical. There's like, it's it. Yes, it definitely has some very like new things that, you know, the internet has these like fresh waves that come through and you've collaborated with other creatives that have brought this like very sparkly, effervescent, joyful site that feels like an experience. Really good job. Thank you. That experience is exactly what I wanted. And, and because even though I don't have any Virgo in my chart, I deeply love Virgos and I love, <laughs> because I'm very detail oriented and I always want more Virgo in my chart. And so I, it's, I'm not always the easiest person to work with in creation. Cause I'm like, well, that little thing, let's change that little thing right there. But then when it all comes together, it's, is a masterpiece. And I'm, I'm so grateful. And every person, because I know this is not quite, but we're talking about creativity. So I'm giving you a little juicy of my creativity thinking, <laughs> um, like every person who was instrumental in creating the black girl mystic site and experience is a black woman or femme. Every person, my website designer, my copywriter, my photographer, my makeup artist, my fashion, my, my dressmaker, my braider, everybody. And that felt important to me that if I'm saying this is, I'm creating this universe for black mm -hmm. women, femmes, gender, queer folk, non-binary black folk. It was important to me that we also created it together, mm -hmm. right? Like that we birthed it together. And so that, that, um, also lights me up and cause I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I feel like I'm, this is a, um, exciting thing. So quiet as it's kept part of the, I mean, 
yes, I miss people and community and my culture, but I also like going out places and dressing up. And I think being back in out, being in LA will give me lots of places to dress up and go out. <laughs> yeah. And I hope you take lots of pictures and put them on Instagram. <laughs> Thank you. I plan to. Yes. Good. yes. So what's been the hardest part or maybe the scariest part, the most challenging part of the creative process for you? Hmm. Fear it doesn't, isn't really active in my world. So I don't really, it doesn't have a lot of impact or, or for me, like I just do what I want to do and trust that it will happen. Mm -hmm. So it's not the scariest part, but I really did it. Not know. I really created black girl mystic, not knowing if anybody would want it. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. It was just me being obedient. So it wasn't, I wasn't afraid in the process. I was 10 toes down. I was all the way in, in the creative process confident and expectant that people would want it, but I had no clues or indicators other than just being obedient that no, like no one had asked me to create it other than the divine. I was just being obedient. No one. So I didn't know, I, which didn't cause fear for me. I wasn't afraid. Um, but it's definitely something that I'm aware of now, right? Like as I'm launching this new baby into the world, I'm like, do people want this? Does this mm. resonate with people? I don't know. I just <laughs> did what I was told to do. I don't know if people actually want this. So it's not scary as much as it's like, I have to now think with other parts of my brain to, to invite the people in and to like create experiences, which is also part of wh why I'm going back in person, because I've been doing, you know, I've been doing healing work and transformational work and in-person work that started out 20 years ago in person. Mm -hmm. And so trying to translate it to the online world, I realize isn't always my strength. And then I need to be back in person with people again. So mm. it's, it's not as much fear as it's like, what is, what do I need to know about this experience? And, and what I need to know is that I need to be in person with people. The internet is helpful, but it's not everything. And I, right. and I miss that. There's like things that you can do. You can, you can teach people some things, but mm -hmm. giving them the experience is very difficult to translate online. Um, can you exactly. share a little bit more about some of your courses? Cause I was just going through them the other day and was like, <laughs> I would, <laughs> that sounds good. And as I said, I wasn't quite sure. I'm like, am I allowed to buy this? Would that be weird? So knowing that, uh, you don't care that any white person who's listening could go and buy one of your courses. I'm particularly interested in the like mother wound and money wound. Um, mm -hmm. and, and there's a few, so could you share some of the courses that people can just buy on demand? Yes. So there's, as you said, mother wound, money wound, which is looking at the intersection between the money wound and the mother wound and healing both because they're so deeply intricately connected. I have a mother with narcissistic tendencies and I didn't know for many, many, many years, one that, that she had narcissistic tendencies. I didn't know that, but I also didn't know that, that, that kind of dynamic with her had was so severely impactful in my relationship with money because mm -hmm. I saw her as my source. I had been mm -hmm. conditioned to see her as my source. Right. And mm -hmm. so learning to heal my mother wound also the, when I stopped talking to my mother, I had, I started making money in my business. It was amazing. Right. <laughs> right? Like it was like, Oh, Oh, I can like give myself permission to be resourced by someone other than my mother. Mm -hmm. And so money wound, mother wound is looking at how do we heal 
the impact of our money, our mother wound and transform that in our money mother wound so that we can actually start receiving from source, from the creator, from the divine and being in the flow of abundance as opposed to uh, whatever we've been told, right? Like everyone's mother wound is different, but mm-hmm. that is, um, that is ultimately it's about healing the wounds so right. that you can be in the flow of abundance. So I that's- what I'm hearing in that, that when you said everyone's mother room is different, I was like, oh yeah, I can see the conditionality of the relationship I had with my mother uh, showing up as the feeling of conditionality with money. Like That's only right. if I'm mm-hmm. really hustling, only if I'm perfect, only if I, you know, that, um, right. yeah, I thank you for thanks for putting that work out in the world. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. What else were you going to say? You. The other thing you just, it's like the conditionality, like only if I'm do this and that translates also into the spirit, right? Cause some people practice spirituality only if I pray this prayer, only mm-hmm. if I do this kind of thing, only if I'm a good, what a fill in the blank for their religious mm-hmm. practice, then God will bless me. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, it's not conditional. None of it's conditional. It's bigger mm-hmm. than that. Right. Mm-hmm. So Thank you for, for um, asking about that. Then the, there's a God, a God, God money course, which is, is specifically for black women. That's about unlocking black women's soul codes for unlimited wealth. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really about rooting into our ancestry, rooting into abundance, rooting into, and reframing our relationship to wealth, reframing our relationship to receiving, because so much of it is transactional because you know, when your ancestors were exchanged for currency, you learn that you can be valued at a number, that your life Mm -hmm. has a number on it. And so it's really about healing that, what I call the black money wound, so that you can really embody your wholeness and step into the abundance. So again, for me, it's not about gaslighting, but it's about deepening the conversation. Like Mm -hmm. what's true? What are the universal truths that are here that we can't avoid, but we have to create more nuance around them? Hmm. I can feel I'm thinking of some of my black listeners right now who've been listening since the beginning who are like, yes, please. I, I can feel, feel the listeners opening to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What else? And then I just, I have just started, like just barely started just dripping this out just this week uh, with a new offering. It's my Seminole Black Girl Mystic offering. It's called Prosper. And it's four, uh, four one-on-one sessions with me. So it's not a group offering. You can't necessarily just go in and buy it because it's four one-on-one sessions with me. We meet every other week for 45 minutes, but it takes you through the process of creating embodied soul wealth. And so the first module is ancestral alchemy. The second module is spiritual initiation. The third module is spiritual money, money medicine. And the fourth module is soul purpose. And so we dive deep into that. And it's a framework for really aligning with abundance in a deep way. And there's homework in between and there's play and there's like really, maybe not homework is the best way to say, but ways to apply and integrate the work of each session. And so that you can really live in abundance so that you can really live in prosperity so that you can really do it. And because for me, when I think about it, we're never going to win at capitalism. Like that's not, I'm never going to be able to teach you how to budget. Like that's not my gift. (laughs) I can't teach you how to do that. That's not it. But I believe miracles happen when we tap back into source, into soul and get bigger than 
capitalism because soul is bigger than capitalism is man-made soul is infinite eternal right Mm. so when we tap into the eternal all these man-made structures become less relevant Mm -hmm. not that they aren't there but they they aren't our center point laren oprah alta going off on, <laughs> on the newness podcast. I feel like it's the nineties and, you know, I'm, I'm Gary Zukov sitting with, <laughs> with Oprah on stage. Wow. Nice. That was really good. Can you, can you, okay. The one that I've been looking at for a long time is sovereign and supernatural. Mm. Can you tell me more about yes. that? Yes. <laughs> Oh, this is, this is so good, Carmen, (laughs) because sovereign and supernatural, it's like, is who we are. It's who we are at our core baseline level. And so when we remember that, because so much about it is so much about what we've been taught and told is that we're not sovereign, right? Like it's conditional, it's codependence. We have to rely on our boss, our parents, our job, the institution, our government. When we remember that we can be sovereign, that we can have healthy boundaries, that we can say yes and no, that we can still live our fullest potential and tap into our supernatural gifts, our supernatural powers, then we really become unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Then we become like, who we want to be, who we dream of being, who we imagine being. But those two keys, sovereign and supernatural, we can't avoid them. Like we we can root into them and then we get the freedom that we desire. Mm. Mm. Oh God. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. These, these are very exciting offerings. I'm very excited for folks to go to your website and see them. So Okay, you've already asked, you've already answered the um, grief and rage question years ago when you were on the show. So the, the follow up to that for return guests is where are you finding the most joy and pleasure in your life these days? Okay, this is going to be a very strange answer, but this is the truth. Okay, it's the truth. And I just the truth shall set you free. I have, because I'm, I'm also like grappling with sometimes this, it's very difficult. I, sometimes I do feel very isolated and alone right now in my life. And so I have been watching a lot of judge Judy on the internet, a lot of judge Judy in the people's court. And it does bring me immeasurable joy. It, I, it's a strange answer, but I love the people's court, healthy boundaries in action. It's beautiful. I love it. So this brings me joy. This is bringing me back to the eighties. We used to watch the people's court. Like before I was even going to school, I lived with my grandma and my aunt and my mom, right? It was like all this like very matriarchal household. And so there was like, um, uh, one life to live days of our lives, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. young and the restless and prices, right? All those things. And then the people's court, I can hear the music (laughs) right now. What, what, Yes. What brings you so much joy about Judge Judy and the People's Court? There's a part of me, a young part of me, a young Laren that grew up without a lot of healthy boundaries or um, what's the word I want to use? Consequences for unhealthy behavior in my household. Mm-hmm. Uh, not my unhealthy behavior, but unhealthy behavior that was very impactful on me went went 
without a lot of consequences. Mm -hmm. And so it's very soothing and very healing for me to see consequences in action, to see Judge Judy is the same if you're poor, if you're rich, if you're black, if you're white, if you're man, if you're a woman, she's very consistent and she plays no games. And so there's a part of me, my my nervous system actually is very soothed by her discipline, by her, (laughs) her unrelenting part. And I just feel very held by that. So I love, I, and I love that there's a beginning, middle, end. We find out the story, it gets resolved. Yeah. We find out the story in the people's court. It's the same thing. Now, Judge Millian does yell a lot, which is somewhat triggering for me, mm. but I do enjoy watching her. So if she's yelling too much, I'll go back to Judge Judy, but that it actually brings me great soothing to my nervous system, which then expands my capacity for more joy as well. Oh, I think this is something that people will be very surprised to hear about you. <laughs> Especially because, you know, when, if I were to guess, I'd be like, oh, she, she loves the golden girls. That's her. Oh, I do love the golden girls. That's That's her comfort show. But this is also, it makes so much sense to me what you're talking about. Even just you describing it. I'm like, oh, I should go on YouTube and watch old people's (laughs) court. Cause I relate, I relate to why that would be soothing. Thanks for that Mm -hmm. little insight into like, this is the real Marin. Thank it's you. The real me. Absolutely. Real and you. I'm also a binger. So I like, I, cause I never watched judge Judy until now. I've never watched the people's court until now. I know judge Wapner just cause it would be on, you know, but right. I never really watched it. Yeah. But so, so I also is soothing. I don't know which part of my mind likes this, but I like when I can binge lots of dip. So there's 25 years of judge Judy. I can just keep on watching, you know, it's just very helpful that I don't have to worry about it running out, but you are correct. And you do know me very well. The golden girls are a standby go-to for me. I love the golden girls. Yes. Yes. See, Laren, thank you for coming back on the show. You contain multitudes. (laughs) There's no way we can get through Anyway, we'll, we'll have you back again over the years, especially, you know, as it's been busy as you are an international, you know, resident and (laughs) you're constantly traveling and on the move. So, um, it's really nice that you took time to stop by the Nimitz podcast again. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It always is a pleasure to be in your company, Carmen, always. So thank you so much. Sovereign and supernatural is who we are. The way she said that, <laughs> am I? What? That was giving Oprah right there. Who else is like, where's my credit card? I like, ah, <laughs> uh, very, very exhilarating conversation. All of us who love back to school and like the creative energy of closing one year really well and leading off the next one on good footing are like, sign me up. So go to blackgirlmystic.com to purchase a course and just bathe in the splendor that is Laren's website. Uh, Laren is an excellent coach. I highly recommend the investment if you're in need of an energetic boost in your life or your work. Can you, I can feel it. Can you feel it? Oh, so good. All right. So the listener shout out this week. This week, the listener shout out goes to the folks in Alaska who are hanging with me. I noticed a lot of downloads this week, and I was surprised because, you know, are people watching the news that the climate crises around the world from Puerto Rico to, you know, still clean up in uh, Pakistan and different places? I mean, it's 
overwhelming. So I just want to really thank all those who have been listening, particularly in parts of Alaska impacted by storms and flooding. Um, you know, some of these places I visited in my youth, I remember very fondly. So I'm thinking of you now. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And finally, remember that The Spirited Kitchen is available for pre-order online uh, or from your local independent bookseller. Just ask them to bring it in, and usually they will. And then bring your receipt back to my website to receive your instant bonus downloads. Just go to the cookbook tab at carmenspagnola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. Until next time, take care.